Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the new podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with some hidden gems we think are worth your time. My name is John Baum, here with Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV shows and movies you see on Binge. Ali, great to see you. Hi, John. Great to be here. So it is almost the end of the year. We're going to do something a little different this week. We've set each other the task of bringing three shows to the table that helped get us through 2021, whatever whatever that means to you. It's kind of like show and tell my watch list. Yes, yes. So yeah. not necessarily your favourite, not necessarily the best, but three shows that, uh, you know, meant something to you this year. And spoiler alert, one of mine came out in 2020, but I only watched it this year. So let's just keep the rules loose, shall we? Yeah. I think after the year that's been 2021, we can be we can go easy on the rules. There's been enough rules put on us. Yeah. We've not pre-discussed the shows we're going we're gonna to pitch each other. Do you reckon um, we've chosen the same ones? I, uh, I think there's got to be at least one crossover. I hope there is. I hope the algorithm means that we're shuffling up our thoughts. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think we, we have slightly different taste in things, but the, the Venn diagram, there's definitely some overlap. Well, actually, that's a really good point to listen, for our listeners to know that 2021 was the year you finally were introduced to The Real Housewives. Yep. Shockingly, Real Housewives is not on my list, but <laughs> um, I definitely for primarily work purposes, did watch a lot of both Real Housewives of Melbourne and Beverly Hills. So thank you, Binge, for introducing me to that. But just on that um, theme, I guess, this isn't one of my three, but Great British Bake Off is another show that shockingly had not seen um, before 2021 and am now very invested in. As are so many Binge viewers, aren't they? It's such one of our most popular shows. We've all discovered a lot about ourselves and a lot about television this year, Um, but should we jump in? Let's go. Okay. So my first show of 2021 that helped me get through this wonderful year of ours was Vigil. This is DCA Amy Silva. Earlier today, crewman died on board Vigil. How are you with confined spaces? I'm going to need someone who can radio me leads. I've got a good shorthand with Kirsten. You're going to let them die? This is a staggering act of hostility. But we're not at war. That is an illusion. For those who have not seen Vigil, um, it's from the producers of Line of Duty and The Bodyguard. It's a six-part BBC drama starring Saran Jones and Rose Leslie. It did get a big campaign when we were at Binge, and um, the quickest way that we used to explain it to ourselves and other people was murder on a submarine. So <laughs> it is about a murder on a submarine, which I think we got pretty close to putting those words on the on a billboard, right? Yeah, what do we end up saying? The deeper you go, the darker it gets or something. But yeah, yeah murder on a submarine. Murder on a Submarine. This series had me like wrapped from the first like 30 seconds. I'm pretty sure I watched the first episode on a screen at work and sort of took my headphones off 10 minutes in and turned to some people in the binge office and was just like, this this show is good. So I'm glad it only got better from there. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of reasons I really love this show. So it is a British murder mystery. So it's kind of got that format and sort of you know hits those beats there's a detective investigating a crime who you know has an emotional backstory but the thing that really elevated this show for me was kind of the scale and the the stakes of it 
Um, so Saran Jones plays this detective, you know, a, a regular land-based detective um, as opposed to those submarine detectives. And she finds herself investigating uh, the suspicious death of a sailor on a submarine. She just happens to be quite claustrophobic. Um, she just quite she just happens to be dealing with kind of traumatic experience in her life. She wakes up one day and by the end of the day, she's on a helicopter getting flown out into the middle of the Atlantic to board a submarine to investigate this crime. But yeah, it just it ticked so many boxes for me. It went out on binge week to week along with the UK. Yeah, every episode just ended on a bigger, crazier cliffhanger and yeah it was definitely a highlight of the year for me and I'm glad to hear it was yours too well yeah I love a good crime show I love a good British crime show they do it so so well sometimes I get very impatient and I don't want to have to wait a week but it was such good television and as you said there were cliffhangers you kept coming back week to week I also learned a lot I didn't really know a lot about nuclear submarines why would I and right in the middle of vigils you know, coming and dropping week to week. Australia was involved in its own submarine, nuclear submarine drama for those that follow along um, the politics at home, the French and the Americans and making our own nuclear submarines. A few people kind of tweeted and said, uh, it doesn't necessarily end very well. You should watch Vigil, which I thought was a bit funny. But yeah, I learned lots, great writing, great producers and people behind the show. I think, as you said, it, one of the highest rating shows in England this year it comes from great shows like The Bodyguard and Line of Duty. And if you love a good British whodunit, if you haven't seen Vigil, definitely one to add to your end of your watch list. Cool. Well, I'm glad we've started strong with a, with a show that um, both meant something to us this year. Ali, what's, what's next on your list? Okay. Well, next on my list is White Lotus. Was it on yours, John? No, no. No. Okay. No. The goal is to disappear behind our masks as pleasant, interchangeable helpers. It's tropical kabuki. Aloha. A happy beer. We're on our honeymoon. You're such valued guests. Welcome to the White Lotus. Um, White Lotus for me, it's funny. It came uh, in J- June, July, just as we were going into, or July, I think it started, um, just as we were kind of going into the the big lockdowns in in Sydney initially and, and Melbourne to follow. And it was one of those shows that for me kind of got through those first difficult weeks of, of lockdown. Um, it, it's set in Hawaii. So you start off and you're like, woohoo, I can't go anywhere, but I'll watch other people going somewhere nice. But it very quickly is a little bit of a lesson in, um, in rich white people kind of behaving quite badly again quite a dark comedy but just really different and unique and hadn't seen something like this for a while awesome music great acting but just forcing you to look at a situation really differently and done through humor and drama this is a show that has kind of divided some people some people just really didn't get it and didn't get into it but I think for those that are on board with White Lotus um absolute highlight for me of of the television year what did you think John I loved it and it's definitely a top five show for me the interesting thing with White Lotus as opposed to Vigil which is you know just murder on a submarine I do recall when it first came out and first seeing the episodes and the reviews first coming out, the show's a bit ambiguous as to what's happening. You know, it sets up with maybe a murder or maybe a death and um, then kind of just unravels into all these different directions and all these different characters who you're wondering if they're connected or not. Like, ama- like amazing characters. Jennifer Coolidge is so iconic in this. White Lotus is more of a surprise for me this mm. year. I think, you know, when you hear a show's from the producers of Line of Duty, you go, oh, kind of know what I'm getting. But with White Lotus, I'm not sure anyone knew quite what they were getting. 
And I think what's really interesting watching the show's progress at Binge is it started out relatively quietly amongst our audiences, but I don't think we've actually seen a show that's grown as drastically as we have seen White Lotus grow because by the end of it, it felt like it had crossed that sort of, you know, zeitgeist where SNL was making fun of it and everyone everyone was talking about it and, you know, the theme music had, you know, was embedded in everyone's head and everyone was talking about the thing that haps that you know one of the things that happened in the last episode that we we, we won't get into for classification reasons it was a very pleasant surprise to see white lotus come along i don't know what i was expecting but yeah thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it yeah when you when you read the synopsis and you think and i know nine perfect strangers came out not far not long after it as well which was also about kind of wealthy privileged people going to a a health retreat and this was you know wealthy privileged people going to an island and yeah you're so right it took us in an unexpected direction that does start with a, a body being loaded onto a plane in episode one a dead body and you think where's this going and it yeah it takes the the story arc to to bring you back to the end and solve solve the story really again in my view worth a watch it's also been commissioned for a second season we understand will be set in a completely different resort or a completely different island and potentially with new characters but uh, if you do get involved and love it there'll be another one coming soon so Ali as as anyone who knows me I think you've probably got a good guess at what my next show is going to be, but a show that absolutely got me through 2021 just because I rewatched it a number of times and there were two new seasons of it is, of course, Taskmaster. <laughs> History is littered with tyrannical leaders, but there is only one who tortures his subjects with tasks as fiendish as eating a watermelon without touching the watermelon, guessing the contents of a locked briefcase or scoring a goal with a steamroller. Only one with a henchman so fearsome. Oh, God. Was this not what you meant? Your favourite show, John. Is yeah. it possible to say you've got a favourite show? It's like saying you have a favourite child, but definitely one of your most favourite shows. Yeah, definitely one of the shows I talk won't shut up about the most, I think. <laughs> Tell Australia why you love Taskmaster. Um, so many reasons. I think at the core, it's in, it's an incredibly joyous show. Like you just let this sort of joy and comedy and um, entertainment just flow over you, which I think is a very good viewing experience, um, especially, you know, if that's the mood, the mood you want to be in. But the other thing that I love about it, which I don't think a lot of shows do well or they try to do, but they don't get away with it, is try to give you a genuine insight into a person's kind of personality and psyche without sort of like over-intellectualizing this um, comedy panel show. The premise is that these five comedians get thrown into this situation where they open up an envelope and they're given a task. So it could be something as basic as like fill an egg cup with tears or destroy this giant block of ice or put these three exercise balls on the top of a hill and like you have five minutes. And I think when you're dropped into a situation, no matter who you are, and you have this very specific task you have to do in this very specific time period, I think it shows you an insight into that person. Like it gives you an insight into their problem solving skills. It gives you an insight into like how they deal with stress. And I think you just can't fake that. I think when you have this specific thing you have to do, you can try to be funny or you can try to be cool about it. But like at the end of the day, if you're just trying to fill an egg cup with tears, like <laughs> watching someone try to do that, you know, I think it gets to, I really think it gets to kind of something core about that person's personality or how they sort of approach life. Um, so I think you get these amazing insights into these people. And because unlike a lot of other 
of these comedy shows where it's different cast every week or it's different people rolling through week to week. It's the same five people across the 10 episodes. So you really get to know these people. And by the end of it, you're like, oh, I kind of have an idea of how they might approach something. Or it gives you sort of a very different insight into some of these people who you might think, oh, that person's a bit dry or that person's a bit this way. By the time you watch them do 10 episodes of Tasks, yeah, you, you feel like you you know them quite well. So yeah, we've, we've got a couple of seasons on Binge. There's a New Year's um, New Year's Day special coming and there's um, more new seasons coming next year. But yes, I could kind of infinitely rewatch this show and I'm so thrilled it's on Binge and I'm so thrilled that we have more episodes coming. Look, it also makes you a bit smarter because you're watching it and it's a little bit like, comedians do tournament of the minds you know how high can you drop a balloon full of water before it breaks and you know you do come away and you think how would I do it all but you're right you get a really good sense of the characters um as you watch the episode but really fun and I can see why it was kind of easy and uplifting when we were locked at home and I'm pretty bored my next one is and gosh a bit like you there's so many on the list um I'm going to talk about Mr. Inbetween Tell us a little bit about why you're here. My name is Ray. I'm 40. Got a kid. Divorced. Do you think that you've got an anger problem? No. Okay. Mr. Inbetween came back in 2021 with its third and final and last season, unfortunately. Um, it has been around since 2018. It's an original Australian drama. It's a co-production between the FX Network in America and Foxtel in Australia. Um, and it stars Scott Ryan, who plays the, ro- the role of Ray Shoesmith, who is a bit of a criminal fixer. So it sounds pretty heavy <laughs> um, and bleak, but these are 30-minute drama, comedy kind of dramedy episodes. And so there's, I think there's 26 or 25 episodes across the three seasons. So if you're looking for something that's like a substantial binge, probably only 13 hours all up because they're half hour episodes, it is really worth its time. My husband and I watched it during lockdown and just loved it. And when it ended, we were literally one of those TV moments when you're looking at the television, you're going, please, what do you mean this is over? It's got to come back. It's got to come back. And it did kind of leave you thinking uh, what might happen, but Brilliantly acted, um, really, really well written. I just think a really refreshing Australian drama that deserves lots of people to watch it or discover it if they haven't. Have you watched it, John? I have not. It is, it's on my summer binge list. To see how well it's done on binge is fantastic. As you know, we we love a good Australian drama, but also just to read the read the comments and read the feedback that we get about it. People are absolutely enamored with this show and were gutted to hear that it had finished. But yeah, as soon as we dropped that third season, it became clear how many people had, you know, either watched season one and two as it aired or had been binging it on binge. But yeah, I think this is like really a definition of like a sleeper hit where it's a show that lots of people have watched that until you talk about it with people, Mm -hmm. um, you don't realise just how big it is. Um, I almost feel like it's Australia's Breaking Bad if I can go that far. Like, you know, it's a really Australian sense of justice and that you can be a bad guy, but if you're actually you can be really morally bad in some ways you're a fixer you may be killing people but if the reason you're killing them is worthy or maybe the people deserved it you have this kind of quite 
interesting sense of almost when good people do bad things and how you excuse that or justify that in your brain, but done in a wonderfully Australian way. And yeah, I just really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, great co-viewing as well. Really interesting, great characters. And just won some um, actors recently for its third season, um, which sounds like very well deserved. But yeah, it, it is great to see how many people are still discovering the show, myself included. All three seasons of Mr. Inbetween, all 26 episodes, like I said, chunky couple of day binge um, are now on binge and it will leave you at the end, you know, feeling very satisfied and good good use of your binging time. So as soon as uh, we discussed the this particular theme of this podcast, I the first show that came to my mind was one that it turns out actually aired in very late 2020, um, but I only watched it in 2021, so that's how I'm getting around these rules. Um, <laughs> but it's the first show that came to my mind when we um, discussed this episode, and it is Industry. How many of these have you had? Nine. Four in New York, four here, and uh, Skype. It's a marginal game about marginal gains. People listening to you, is that how you get your validation? As opposed to... Uh... I play third fiddle to two figures in my life. Jesus Christ and Margaret Thatcher. And where do you stand on them? One's the reason we're all here and the other's a carpenter. Oh, that was going to be on my list too. I love this show. Let's talk about it. This show hasn't been talked about enough. Let's go. No, I think this is, you know, if Mr. Inbetween's a sleeper hit, um, I think industry is absolutely a hidden gem because unfortunately uh, not enough people um, seem to be talking about it. Every person I encounter, I <laughs> I make sure I introduce the show to and force them to watch a couple of episodes. You know, I, do, I force my friends to watch a lot of stuff. Sometimes they humor me, sometimes they don't, but pretty much everyone I've introduced this show has stuck with it. So I think that's a, that's a good sign. So industry is a... Um, <laughs> British American co-pro. Um, so it's got a kind of an interesting sensibility um, in the way that it's filmed and its characters, but it's a it's a drama about a group of young graduates competing for a position at a prestigious investment bank in London. So, you know, these grads have all just come out of uni, come out of, you know, various degrees of unis, um, and are all competing for, um, you know, a graduate position at, you know, what would be like a Macquarie Bank or a JP Morgan or, you know, like a really um, prestigious job for someone straight out of uni. But they, they are these young kids who are now, made, you know, suddenly thrown into this very corporate world, making a lot of money, surrounded by, you know, a lot of the excesses of the, of the corporate world. And... Yeah, it's just brilliant. Like, um, you know, Succession obviously very easily could have been on my list of shows to discuss in this episode because, you know, it is absolutely one of my favourite shows. But I think um, if you like Succession, you will also love Industry for sort of different reasons. You know, this isn't a family. It's not a family-run business. But these kids, not kids, very, very young adults are thrown into this corporate world. And it's a lot of the same dynamics. It's a lot of, you know, what goes on in offices and the like power struggles and who gets the promotion and who gets the bonus. But yeah, it's just so well done. It's so compelling. Like, like I said, it's like an American show made in the UK, but it's a British show made by Americans. So yeah, it's like tonally and visually quite distinct, but yeah, absolutely love it. Have watched it multiple times. Maybe that's why I thought it was a 2021 show because I've rewatched it so recently, but yeah, the show centers on um, an American character 
um, who has come to the UK for this sort of graduate opportunity. So a very British show, but centres on this uh, American lead, I guess. And this is another show that has been renewed, I'm really happy to say. So whether or not we're going to see it in 2022 or, or when it's going to hit our screens, but isn't it nice to find a show that you love and then know that there's more of it to come? I thought industry was really interesting. As you said, it wasn't, you didn't have to know that world um, or kind of have had that kind of university first job experience. There was a really interesting part in it where the, the, everything you're kind of told, go through school, get get a good degree, get all these op- options put in front of you so then you can choose where you want your life to go. And these young people find themselves in this amazing opportunity and there's an element of them going, is this what life is about? Almost rejecting what the generations before them had accepted as success. Um, so it's a really interesting look, I think, at changing values, um, money, power, environment, happiness, how all that kind of converges on a young person deciding which way they're going to go in life. Um, Yeah, really interesting on lots of levels beyond just the world in which it's set. But also how nice was it to look at the international cities and imagine back in the day when we could travel easily around the world? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautifully shot series and obviously is set like right in the middle of the city of London amongst, you know, all these massive investment banks. But yeah, like it, it, I don't know what it says about me that I enjoy spending my spare time watching a documentary about stressful corporate life, <laughs> watching, a, watching a drama, sorry, about stressful corporate life. But yeah, I just found it so compelling. I think it, the first episode even opens with them sort of interviewing for the position and then ends, the f- series ends um, with you finding out whether or not they kind of have made the cut um, to, you know, go from the graduate position to a, to a permanent position. But um, yeah, it's a mix of their professional lives and their personal lives. Like the show has a lot of drugs and sex. Like it's not all just sitting at a desk, you know, buying and selling stocks. Um, you know, there's, you know, there's touches of like skins about it um, kind of thing. Yeah. So, Generation yeah, of people kind of growing up and deciding what they want their lives to be about and kind of watching them confused in that decision. John, one of the things I really liked about industry when, is when you kind of come across new characters and there's not a lot of super familiar faces in this, but some really, really good actors. So I'm hoping lots of them are back for the next season. Um, anyone else behind it that we'd recognise or who made it? Uh, yeah, so lots of fresh faces in the cast, but um, br- brilliant p- performances. So I'm sure they'll all go on to do great things. And I, yeah, like, I, like you said, with season two, I'm interested to see if they're going to follow the same characters or what happens. Um, but yeah, some of the people behind the series looks like it was created by some people who kind of went through something fairly similar in, in um, their uh, professional careers. So it's got quite a young sort of creative force behind it. Um, but for our audiences, um, probably best known is uh, the first episode was directed by Lena Dunham, who of course um, created Girls, um, which is also on Binge. Um, uh, and also, if you haven't watched it, totally worthy of a summer binge session. <laughs> it's a brilliant yeah. show. So um, if Succession or Girls or Industry or Skins or any of those shows um, pique your interest, then I think you should definitely check out Industry. Ali, one more one more show to go. Yeah, one more show. What have you got? One more. Look, this is really hard and really mean because, as you mentioned at the top, we you know, buy and and collate a lot of the content that comes on to binge. There were so many big moments this year. I I mean, Zack Snyder's Justice League was awesome when we were able to bring that to Australia. And I remember we did a special fan screening um, in Melbourne at IMAX when it launched and 
watching people come out of a four-hour screening in tears and, and having this awesome kind of movie moment was a total highlight and also so good to watch if you haven't watched it yet um, and you love superhero shows um, and films. There's actually a black and white version and a colour version, um, super cool over summer. But we had the Friends reunion. We had so many good shows, but I have to talk about Mare of Easttown. I want to thank everyone for joining us to celebrate the proudest moment in Easttown sports history. And finally, Miss Lady Hawk herself, Mayor Shin. See this yet? Big write-up in the Tribune. I'm going to frame it and hang it up in your office. Yeah, please, Jim. My daughter's been missing for exactly one year, and the police aren't doing anything. How's your mother doing? She's being the hero. <laughs> yeah. All the houses my ex-husband has to move into, he has to buy the one right behind mine. Well, I heard he got a really good deal on it. <laughs> this show um, debuted in April, April, May. It dropped every week. It was one of those shows that I didn't mind that it dropped weekly, believe it or not. There was so much in each episode that I needed, a bit like when you read a book and you've got to kind of percolate over a chapter or when something happens. I needed my water cooler moments with this show. I needed to listen to podcasts. I needed to talk to you about it every week when something came through. But it was just it was just so exceptionally done. It, 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 for those that haven't seen the show, it, it's... Um, it stars the wonderful Kate Winslet, but there's lots of other amazing actors in this series. Um, Gene Smart's in it. Guy Pearce plays a love interest for Kate Winslet. Another young um, Australian actress, Angawi Rice, uh, plays Kate Winslet's daughter, and she's brilliant. And we got to meet her this year, and um, she was involved in a lot of the publicity that we did in Australia. She's a wonderful actress, also in lots of things that you'll be seeing on screen, including Spider-Man. But Mayor of Easttown is set in a Pennsylvanian town. It's, you know, it's a murder mystery. It's a cop show. But that's where all the other comparisons to shows in the genre stopped for me because there was, there, it was actually about Mayor and what she was going on in her life. So Kate Winslet's character plays Mayor Sheehan. She's the detective in the town. Her life is messy and, and in some ways complicated and falling apart. And as often is the case when there's a, a murder or an event in a small town, it really does divide the town. So not only... Is she trying to solve a crime, but she's trying to solve a crime in a town full of friends. She goes in so many, I mean, she's such an accomplished actress and actor, but she goes to so many other layers again. And just in terms of TV moments, the final episode of this of this series, um, I won't give it away, but the, the kind of final frame, she's up in the attic and you just, again, you have one of those moments when you just feel really moved by an hour of television. And I just found this to be, yeah, a really impactful, impactful series. So TV, it's on my list because it, um, it's memorable and it moved me and it got me talking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, to, you know, if Vigil is sort of that popcorn you know, high stakes action, you know, maybe a more energetic watch. Um, Mayor of Easttown, you really, you know, you felt like you were part of that family. You felt like you lived in that town. Like, you know, it, it's it's an American series, but like the even the, the cultural um, sort of specificity of um, P- Pennsylvania felt like, like felt like another world. Um, yeah, I, like yeah, I can't speak highly enough of the show. It was highly awarded this year, and yeah, don't don't think we're spoiling anything, Ali, to say just how well it did for us on binge. Yeah, it was just 
huge and it continues there's people still discovering this show so if you're one of the ones that hasn't discovered it through 2021 it's it's definitely one to put on your summer watch list it's 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 just brilliant television well ali what a year thank you so much for bringing those excellent suggestions um to this episode for those keeping track uh we talked about vigil White Lotus, Taskmaster, Mr. In Between, Industry, and Mayor of East Town. And all of these series are streaming for you now on Binge. You can, of course, find Binge on your favorite device, phone, smart TV, et cetera. My name is John Boehm. Ali, thanks so much for joining me and bringing these uh, brilliant suggestions. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing from Chris Yates. We'll be back soon and of course we would love to hear what shows got you through 2021 so please hit up hit us up on binge socials at binge thanks john can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on what was a brilliant year in television 